Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everyone. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Underdog Fantasy, the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio and the fastest growing fantasy app. The Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com on iOS and on Android. We've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, SBR. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good and uh, looking forward to another good show. We had a couple of best of vault shows, which were awesome, but it's fun to be back live with you doing a, a fresh new show. Yeah, it is fun to be back. And we've got a really interesting guest, uh, Brian Doxtator, who is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Commonwealth. Commonwealth is a platform that allows people to invest in racehorses and athletes. Check this out. 2023 Kentucky Derby winner Mage is a horse that Commonwealth has a stake in. So if you invested through the Commonwealth app in Mage, not only did you win money, you had a chance to come to the winner circle. It's pretty cool what they're doing. And Brian also has some great advice for entrepreneurs who are starting companies as well as raising capital. So I think you're going to enjoy that conversation on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. No, it's a fascinating interview. I love, you know, it's a world I don't know much about the horse racing world. And that is a whole nother world. I mean, there is some crazy stuff, crazy stories, high money, obviously, beautiful horses uh, and just the lineage of the horses and how how they come to that racing, you know, the racing stage is pretty uh, fascinating. So you learn some stuff for sure from Brian today. And it's a show with three Brian's. You can't go wrong. That's true. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. So, yes, a show with three Brian's. You can't go wrong. So, yeah, stay tuned for that interview. Let's get to some headlines. Before we get to that interview, uh, NBA draft, 
about 6 million people tuned in at the peak of the draft to watch Victor Wembenyama be the first pick of the San Antonio Spurs. A lot of people say he's a generational player, best prospect since LeBron James in the draft. We will see uh, seven foot five, lots of interest. Griggs, I loved how uh, the night after the draft, you had this San Antonio Spurs legend dinner with Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, Sean Elliott, and Wembenyama. We've said this before. I don't think he could be going to a better organization um, and a better organization that really brings in their legends to help the players of today. Not enough organizations do that. It's kind of like, oh, you know, you're an old dude from the past. When you can really connect present and past, especially a championship organization like the Spurs, it is such an asset. So I love to see them all having dinner. Yeah, how about that? Wouldn't that be fun to have a seat at that table? I mean, man, the conversations, I mean, that just was great. And you've got Popovich, who is an iconic coach, one of the best ever. I mean, uh, I know they've already talked. You've seen him a couple phone calls and things. But, uh, you know, I love how excited San Antonio is. They they opened up their arena for draft night. They had fans there and the mascot going crazy and chanting his name. I mean, that's just, that's what makes the draft fun is you get these these cool players coming in that are super hyped up and the fan base is already pumped up. It's going to be fun. I mean, the Spurs are not much watch TV. I mean, everybody's going to be watching those first couple of games for sure. Then you had uh, everyone wondering who the Charlotte Hornets were going to take with the second pick. They took Brandon Miller from Alabama. The Portland Trailblazers took Scoot Henderson with the third pick. Um, no huge surprises there. Um, but, you know, it was an interesting draft to watch. I find myself now, Griggs, even if I watch a little bit of college basketball, I don't know who half these guys are. Yeah. I mean, it's so different than... 20 years ago when you knew everyone in the draft and, you know, everyone in that first round, you'd watch them play college basketball or you had seen them and you were well familiar with them. You know, now that's one of the tough things with NBA draft is I think because Wembenyama is such a big name um, and so highly regarded, people tuned into this one. But really after that, I, I you know, I watched Brandon Miller a little bit. I've never really watched Scoot Henderson. Um but, you know, it was interesting. And the ESPN broadcast was interesting. I like the fact that uh, J.J. Redick was part of the broadcast. He played most recently of the people on that panel. Um, and, you know, certainly has the best NBA pedigree. So overall, I thought it was a pretty good broadcast as well. Yeah, I agree with you, though, too. It's like these players, so many of them, you know, are one and done in college. So you don't really get to know them as much or they're playing overseas like Wim is doing and you know, some of these guys, you don't, it's more of a search on YouTube and try to find highlights kind of thing, Right. which I did yeah. too. Cause I, a couple of those players, I'm like, I remember seeing Brandon Miller, but who's this guy? And I was kind of, kind of searching around while I was watching because I didn't remember who they were, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's fun. I think ESPN did a good job. I like how they kind of went down to the floor with the parents after the kid was drafted and you kind of got the interview from the parents or the sister or whoever's there with the, the player. So that was kind of a, a fun angle. I agree. JJ Reddick always kills it. He's great. But, uh, you know, overall it's, uh, you just got to learn these new players and we'll see if they take the court in this uh, upcoming season or, you know, if they're down the bench aways or what, what happens with them. It's always kind of fun to see how it plays out. All right. NBA free agency is getting underway. The big names on the market, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Draymond Green, Fred Van Vliet, the youngest of that group. Honestly, I wouldn't go anywhere near Harden or Irving, but that's just me. Um, I think they're going to command more money than what they're worth based on their past. I'm not sure what they're going to do in the future. I was not enthralled at all with what James Harden did 
in the playoffs uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. But free agency negotiation period officially begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on June 30th, ahead of the league's annual moratorium period beginning July 1st. Deals can be agreed to during this period. They can't officially be signed until July 6th. And then on July 9th, players can start getting traded. So those are the key dates to watch out for. Griggs, I want to do a show next week on NBA free agency, the new collective bargaining agreement, which is going into effect. People are hearing terms like second apron, which is you know basically going to prevent these super teams from continuing to form. And if they do form, like you've gotten Phoenix with KD, Booker, and Bradley Beal, you're going to have to figure out a way to pay the rest of the guys on that team other than DeAndre Ayton, who's already under contract, on a minimum contract. It's going to be really hard. There's going to be huge penalties for going over the luxury tax. It's going to be very expensive for Golden State to re-sign Draymond Green, even though that looks like that's what's going to happen. But, you know, the NBA does not want these super teams to continue to form with three superstars on a team. And even keeping your own guys is going to be harder. It used to be um, easier to keep your own guys if you drafted them. Um, But now if you've got, you know, three or four really good players on a team, you're going to have to make some decisions. So, you know, definitely want to do a show on that next week. And this free agency period is going to be interesting. I don't know that we're going to see quite the movement that we've seen in the past with trades, signing trades, but, uh, you know, who knows? We'll we'll have to watch and see. Well, this is the fun. It's the summer fun of the NBA, right? It's just uh, you get the draft, that kind of tips it off, then you get the free agency and the trades, and then all these teams kind of start to form for the tip-off in uh, October. But, yeah, it's this is the fun time. This is when it's, it's always fun to watch, to see what happens. And I'm interested for our show next week, too, because I want to learn a lot, too, because of these new rules and things. And I, I think it's great. I mean, the super teams are, are fun to watch if they're in your market. But if it's not your team, it's kind of tough when you're a, you know, a team like a Sacramento that's you know, trying to get these pieces together like we saw this year and build these teams. And you, know, you get this little window of time. So I think it's going to help overall in the NBA. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, we'll have to see. And like you said, big names, Kyrie and Harden. Some ones that are some of those players that are a little bit like, do you want a Kyrie on your team? Do you want a Harden on your team? Are they consistent? We don't know. So it'll be fun to see where these guys end up. All right. Some ownership news. The GOAT, Michael Jordan, has sold his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall for approximately a $3 billion valuation. The transaction ends Jordan's 13-year run as majority owner. Jordan plans to keep a minority stake in the Hornets. He bought the majority stake that he owned in 2010 for about $275 million. So he did very well in this sale. The most recent sale of an NBA team came when Matt Ishbia bought the Phoenix Suns, a deal that was struck in December and valued the Suns at $4 billion. So the Hornets, not quite as valuable as the Suns, but still $3 billion is very, very good. Jordan Sale leaves the 30-team NBA without any black majority ownership. So, you know, Griggs, we hope that changes in the future. Um, You know, Jordan is involved in a number of other things like auto racing and fishing and, you know, things like that. And I think he had just seen his time come to an end. And, And look, when you put in $275 million and the team is worth $3 billion, that's a pretty good return on investment. 
I tell you, Jordan, man, that guy just knows how to make the money. I mean, in Charlotte's never, they haven't even been relevant for forever. I mean, it's like, they're not even like it's the Warriors or Lakers, one of these huge iconic teams. They're not that iconic, but that's a pretty good return on investment. And uh, yet another good day for Jordan. But uh, I'd like to see, I love how he's getting involved in racing and these other off basketball sports. That's fun to watch too. I love these other players, you know, Magic Johnson with the Dodgers and other players, they get involved that aren't in their, their sport that they played. You know, it's fun to see what they can do outside of the sport they know the best. All right. Another ownership story this week. Uh, Cutter's Sovereign Wealth Fund is buying a roughly 5% stake in the parent company of the NBA's Washington Wizards, NHL's Washington Capitals, and WNBA's Washington Mystics is part of a $4.05 billion deal. That's Monumental Sports that is the umbrella company of those teams. It's believed to be the first time the government of Qatar is investing in U.S. professional sports. Sportico first reported the transaction, saying it's the first time any sovereign wealth fund has bought into ownership of an American team. The NBA is calling this a passive minority investment in the team with no involvement in its operations or decision-making. Well, Griggs, we've talked at length about uh, you know, the PIF, fund and the pga tour pif is now interested in pro tennis you know we're going to start to see this more and more we said it's only a matter of time until there's investment in teams and here we go so um you know monumental sports like we just said is is kind of the first ownership group that has let a sovereign wealth fund buy into ownership and you see what they're doing it i mean sports year after year it's monetized. Yeah, I mean, it makes more money. It's always a good investment in most cases. So you see why these funds are are growing and buying these groups because why not? You're, I mean, we just talked about Jordan. I mean, look at that growth in just one team in in a few years. I mean, I see you see this with all all these sports teams. So I think it's a great investment for these big these big funds. It's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of uh, tape and stuff we don't know behind the scenes of all these things. But uh, the more we learn about it, and like you said, it's going to continue to happen more and more. We're going to see more of it. More ownership news. The NFL will hold a meeting on July 20th where the league's owners are expected to take a vote on the pending sale of the Washington Commanders to a group led by billionaire Josh Harris. The Washington Post was the first to report the upcoming meeting. In April, Harris reached an agreement with Commanders owners Dan and Tanya Snyder, purchased the franchise for $6.05 billion. That figure represents the largest price for a team in NFL history. So that meeting is going to take place. And then one more piece of ownership news, kind of star-studded. The Renault-owned Alpine Formula One team is eyeing substantial improvements both on and off the track following a $220 million equity investment fronted by a trio of Hollywood actors, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney, and Michael B. Jordan, working through Reynolds' maximum effort investments will join Otro Capital and Redbird Capital Partners to acquire a 24% stake in the Alpine team at a valuation of about $900 million. So, Griggs, we've seen Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney team up on Wrexham. Now they're getting into pro auto racing. And, you know, I swear anything that Ryan Reynolds touches, whether it's Aviation Gin or Wrexham, turns to gold. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely got the touch right now, and he's so likable. Obviously, people are buying into what he's doing, and you're seeing a lot more with the Hollywood scene buying stuff. We see with Angel City and all the investors with their team. Uh, I love that. I love stars getting involved. It instantly gives you star power. It instantly gives you followers on Instagram and everything else because you've got that whole batch that's with them. And uh, this Ryan Reynolds thing will uh, take off quick. I saw it all over Twitter and Instagram yesterday. They were talking about it. So I think it only helps whatever they're buying. It's only going to help that entity because you instantly get that publication. So uh, fun to watch. Well, and between those three, especially Ryan Reynolds and Michael B. Jordan, they have enormous reach on social media. One post on Instagram reaches tens of millions of people. So, you know, you've got to, uh, factor that in the influence they have over lots of people on social media that's going to immediately engage people with their team or their product so that's a, a, a certainly a difference maker all right it's that time of the month it's time for the underdog of the month presented by underdog fantasy Wyndham Clark U.S. Open champion is our underdog of the month he was plus 8,000 before the U.S. Open to win, he won his first career major. He was 10 under par to beat Rory McIlroy by one stroke. He earned $3.6 million for his first career major win. He has deals with Titleist, Municipal, which is Mark Wahlberg's clothing company, and FootJoy. So congratulations to Wyndham Clark on being our underdog of the month presented by Underdog Fantasy. Yeah, it was fun to watch him. He was just dialed in there on Sunday. I mean, he he just, he wanted it so bad. He was focused, uh, played at Oregon, go Ducks. So I was happy to see that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's fun getting a new champion in there. It's always fun to just see the new guy get in there. And then he instantly is relevant. I mean, you're going to hear about him now. He's going to be on more, you know, the tour stops. Uh, fun to watch. I kind of wanted uh, Ricky Fowler to win, but he just couldn't keep it going. But uh, he's had a couple of good matches. So, yeah, it's, it's, it keeps golf relevant. I love some new blood in there. And congrats to the underdog of the month. All right. Coming up next, Brian Doxtator, co-founder and CEO of Commonwealth. You're going to enjoy this conversation. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Your fantasy leagues might be over you can still play fantasy sports games on Underdog Fantasy. I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night. You pick between two and five players to build a Pick'em entry. Also, Rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun, too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams, points, rebounds, fantasy points. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games, especially right now. Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 
My guest is Brian Doxtator. He is the co-founder and CEO of Commonwealth. You can learn more about them at joincommonwealth.com. Brian, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Brian. You have such a great story, but let's start for our listeners with how did you come up with the idea to start Commonwealth? Yeah, going all the way back, it really started at a car auction, actually. There's another company called Rally Road, now they're just called Rally, that was doing this for cars. And I have a collector car hobby just on the side. I love old school cars, working on them and all that kind of stuff. And I saw them at a car auction and it said, invest in, you know, buy shares in this Lamborghini. And I thought, what in the world is going on over here? And uh, so I went into their little tent and just started asking them a ton of questions. And they're like, oh, we're SEC regulated. We're doing mini IPOs of cars. And I just thought, wow, there's, there's something interesting happening here with investing and access and passions and that kind of mental Venn diagram overlapping. And I went back to my little personal office I had at the time, pulled down all their documents from the SEC and just tried to reverse engineer their business the best I could. And I just started thinking about what else could you apply it to? And a lot of things jump off the page, but I think my light bulb moment was applying this to something that had what I call an experiential calendar or a calendar of events. You invest in a car, you don't really have a reason to be have updates. So there's no developing story or places to get together around the car or art or other things, what I call static assets. And so I pretty quickly narrowed it down to sports and music. Uh, and to be totally honest, I chose sports. I'm a big sports and music fan, but I chose sports because we were pregnant at the time and I thought I can't live the music lifestyle anymore. And so, um, you know, I started thinking about where to apply it within sports. And I've been a casual horse racing fan since I lived in Baltimore out of college and went to Preakness a few times. And I was at Santa Anita one day and looking around and I just thought, what about horse racing? Like, you know, the assets are expensive. They're complex. So even if you had the cash, you're not really best served just going into horse racing on your own. Uh, then of course they have an amazing calendar of, of events wrapped around them. Um, and I knew one guy in horse racing, uh, that is my now co-founder Chase Chamberlain, who I grew up with in Michigan. And I sent him, I think it was an Instagram DM. And I was like, Hey, I think I have something interesting that applies to horse racing. And we traded a couple of emails and I sent him these SEC documents and all this really dry stuff. And he grabbed a hold of it. And from there, we were off to the races, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, it's really an amazing story. So you decide horse racing is where you're going to apply this. And the horse you go out and buy is Mage, who wins the Kentucky Derby as a 15 to 1 long shot. First of all, how did you find Mage? And then explain to our audience how Commonwealth works and how people were investors in this horse that won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one quick point of clarification, Mage isn't our first horse. I wish we were one for one and went and won the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. That would be an even bigger story, but uh, we've done about 15 to 20 horses now. And we've had some other big successes as well. We had the, another one of our horses, the highest earning race horse in the world last year, Country Grammar, won the Dubai World Cup. Uh, another one of our superstars was the favorite in the Belmont Stakes last year. So we've had a, a good bit of a success, a crazy amount of success for how early we still are in, the, in our stable size. But um, how we found Mage, you know, we've got a lot of partners throughout the industry. So we buy some horses directly ourselves, but a number of our horses we buy in partnership with other buyers. And so um, I always say horse racing is a people business, just like pretty much everything else. 
And so we've got a lot of really great partners that buy high level horses and then they come to us uh, to, to be effectively be a capital partner. And so, uh, Ramiro Restrepo, a very well-known bloodstock agent, especially now, um, but multi-generation, uh, horseman, uh, he, he bought mage at the Timonium sale, uh, last year and called us and said, Hey, I think we've got a live one. Um, and what we do typically is we'll hear from say five or six partners and they'll say, Hey, we got a horse, we got a horse, we got a horse. And in particular chase, this is kind of chase's magic. He'll, he lives in Kentucky. He'll actually go to the barns and talk to the people that are exercising them, the trainers, and he'll kind of get a sense for who believes in who. And we just kept hearing on the backstretch this, uh, the backstables, this about this horse mage. And everybody just kept talking about this good magic colt. Um, and when you hear that versus five other horses, you know, he kind of rose to the top. Um, and the price was right. I mean, we, we came in on the auction price, so there was no markup, which can happen sometimes. And, and the partnership was great. The trainer, Gustavo Delgado, owns the same amount. So we're four partners, each owning 25%. So the fact that the horse, uh, the trainer was still on the horse. I think said a lot to us that there was a lot of belief. Um, and then from there, in the case of Mage and really any of our horses, uh, so we bought a 25% stake in Mage and, and then we wrapped what's called a single asset LLC around it. And so the only thing that LLC has is our stake in Mage. And then we send it to the SEC in the form of an IPO and they basically give us the green light. And we turn around and we sell those shares in our app or on our website. Anybody can buy. The shares start at 50 bucks a share. Um, you can put in, I call it choose your own adventure. Put in 50 bucks, you can put in 5,000 or more. I mean, you can really put in whatever you want. And we always recommend to people, like, put in a number that's just palatable that if you were to lose it or lose part of it, you know, this is all really meant to be fun. There's financial upside, as we've now proven many times, uh, but it's all meant to be fun. So you don't want to, you know, spread yourself too thin or put, put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Um, okay. So then once you've invested in the horse, um, you get updates through the app, uh, you get invites to all of our events. Uh, we do weekly updates from the trainer, live racing, race, uh, race and training replays, um, interviews with the trainer, kind of all that stuff. You know, you're kind of part of the team, right? And so, um, it's a pretty dynamic proposition and it's a lot of fun. It creates a lot of action. And then of course, if your horse wins, you get distributions and we have a wallet in the app. So you get distributions right to your app. You can use it to reinvest in other horses or now golfers or in the future, more athletes, or you can withdraw it. Or I like to say you can show it off and brag to your friends. So, uh, it's a pretty fun product and, and we're having a blast. So as an example, if I invested $50 in mage and made one, the Kentucky Derby approximately how much money am I getting back from that 50 bucks into my wallet? So, so to date on his four races, I guess now five races, um, net of some taxes and stuff, we're going to distribute about $140 per $50 share, but that's just from the purse earnings. And it's a little bit deep, but in horse racing, they say there are purse races and there are stallion making races. And the Kentucky Derby sits chief among the stallion making races. And so. Um, the real prize at the end of the rainbow for Mage and the Kentucky Derby is the stallion deal um, that we have not publicized at all yet, uh, but we have a lot of very interesting offers on the table that will lead to ballpark three to $500 a share uh, on top of that 130 or, or so that it will be. 
And then of course he's still got racing to go. We've got probably three or four more big races with him. So, um, it'll end up being, you know, I mean, this is all estimated and nothing's guaranteed, but kind of a 10 plus X. Um, and then we like to say, not only are you 10 X in your investment, but you're having the time, literally the time of your life along the way. So, um, you know, we had a hundred people at the Derby with us. Uh, one of my favorite photos is our winner's circle picture. We had the most people in the winner's circle in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Wow. Something like 140 people. And so, you know, we've been saying to people, you could have invested a mil- uh, bet a million dollars on Mage that day. You don't get in the winner's circle, but you buy a $50 chair with Commonwealth and you at least have a chance to get in that winner's circle if he wins. And a lot of them did. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. So you've done this with horses. You mentioned you're also getting into golf. Explain how it works with golf. Yeah. Yeah. So the customer proposition is very similar. You invest, there's updates, there's opportunity for access and engagement and kind of experiences. Um, the, the deals of course are slightly different because you can't own a person. Um, and so we're entering into income share agreements. And so in the case of these first two golfers, and I I would envision most of the golfers going forward, we're investing, um, uh, about 75 K a season. So we did the math. We talked to a lot of agents and pros. You know, doing it on a shoestring budget's about 50K a year to be a full-time touring pro and doing it with a lot of comfort is like 100K. So we just chose the middle number and we're funding three full seasons because we want to give these players time. You know, if you do six months or a year, that financial burdening is coming right back into your head if it's not going real well, you know, early on. And so we're funding three full seasons. We add our fee, small fee on top of that, some legal expenses on top of that. So it's about a $250,000 offering. Again, we package it, send it to the SEC, get approval. Um, and then exchange for that, we get six years of income share. Hmm. The first three years, while we're covering all expenses, we get 30% of on-course only. So we don't take endorsements or any of that ancillary stuff that, that these players get. And then we have a what I call the residual period, year four, five, and six, where it tapers and it goes 20, 15, 10%. So 30, 30, 30, 20, 15, 10 in the out years. And we've got a bunch of player-friendly provisions like buyout provisions, payment recaps. Um, the only thing we ask of them is weekly updates. The appearances are all by, you know, their option. They can, they're by request. So uh, we're trying to be wind in their sails and not be overly burdensome and ask them for requests and appearances and all this kind of stuff. And so we've had a phenomenal response, both from the golf community, whether it's agents or players. Uh, and then, of course, our customers, you know, they're they're all sports obsessed. And a lot of people that like horse racing also like golf. So it's, it seemed like a pretty natural place to go. Can you talk about who the golfers are that you're working with or is that not uh, public yet? No, it is public. They're both up on our platform now. We're doing them slightly differently. They're technically private offerings. So if you want in on them, you have to kind of indicate interest to us. But uh, the first two players are Joey Versich and Cooper Dossie, both recent All-American, Division One All-Americans. One was at Pepperdine, Joey, and then Cooper was a two-time All-American at Baylor. They're both on PGA Tour Canada, uh, both rising stars and really talented players. And, and for us, they're both represented by major agencies and, and they, they each have big resumes. So, um, you know, I'm a lifelong player, competitive, amateur, scratch player. It's like a huge part of my life. And so, you know, I can kind of tell the difference, uh, you know, especially when I see it up close and personal. Um, but, you know, our kind of criteria is a big resume, of course. Uh, you know, Cooper was a Walker Cupper and a Palmer Cupper. 
Joey won the California Amateur and was on the national the Pepperdine National Championship team. So big amateur careers. And then being represented by major agencies really tells us that, you know, if the agency sees enough to invest resources against these players, and that's saying a lot because they've been doing this for a long time. And so, um, you know, we're really excited about them. They both have shared with us a number of times how much it's freed up their minds to just go out and play and do things the right way. And the fact that we're taking the long view, uh, especially in the game of golf, uh, helps a lot because it clicks at various different times for people. So um, it's really exciting. And I think it creates a much more dynamic proposition from Commonwealth. So if you're a customer and all you're doing is hearing from us about horse racing, horse racing, horse racing. You know, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, once you have five or 10 horses in your, you know, your individual stable, you know, you could imagine maybe it's like, hey, that's enough. I can, I can only go to so many horse races a year. You know, I don't need 80 horses in my stable. But you start adding golf or tennis or motorsports or college athletes, things like that. Suddenly it becomes a really dynamic. We're right back to that calendar of events and kind of that action and the updates and stuff. And so for me, this is really all about making the, the consumer value proposition as interesting as possible. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash G-S-E. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. So expand into what you just said. Uh, you know, you mentioned you've got horse racing, you've got golf, you mentioned tennis, motorsports, college athletes. Are you going to venture into those areas as well? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the platform, our technology platform, both the tech platform and the compliance are both flexible enough to do all of this stuff. We have to do, you know, it's slightly different shades of color that we have to do for each one of them. But, um, but the platform is fully built to expand and go beyond golf. And, and again, I think that's part of the, the value prop for us is, you know, we're going after the sports fan community. We're not just going after horse racing fans or golf fans. We want people, I call them the big day out crowd. You know, if you like horse racing or you like golf or you like going to a baseball game, there's a good chance you're calling three or four of your friends and inviting them out. It turns into a big day out. And so I think our kind of community and lifestyle really lends itself to that. Um, but in terms of other sports, I mean, I think we'll go individual sports seem like low hanging fruit. It's where the financial pressures are the highest early in their careers and the risk is the highest and the unknowns. Uh, but I think even team sports, sports teams, um, you know, we're now talking about things as sports opportunities internally. That's how we discuss things. And with this Derby win, we've had inbound interest across the entire world of sports. And I mean, the entire world of sports, which of course is really exciting because I think it, 
it validates that a lot of you know experts in different places are seeing that our model could work there. Um, and you know, a place that I think is interesting is like this NIL stuff that's been developed the last couple of years in the NCAA. We're talking about doing the traditional, if there is such a thing, NIL deal with a college athlete where it's just a brand ambassador, kind of a marketing deal with a player option for a funding deal when they go pro. And so I think that works in a lot of different places. But if you wanted to take it to like the major sports, let's say it's a football or basketball player, you know, in, in their junior year, they're being projected as a first or second round pick. Their senior year maybe doesn't go the same uh, the, the way they were hoping or, or injury or whatever the scenario might be, or they just want more flexible you know, capital. Um, and maybe their draft stock has slipped a little bit. They can call on funding from us, get into their contract, and then their second contract is where they're hoping to you know make their big splash. And maybe at that point, we're only getting a, a small sliver of that second contract. So I look at that as a way for us to kind of plant seeds in the major sports. Then as they, as they go pro, you know, suddenly we have NFL, NBA, MLB athletes. Um, and then I think as, as our crowd grows, as our audience grows, I think there's room to do deals with actual major league baseball or PGA tour. You know, when we start to be able to do seven figure deals right now, we're doing, you know, we sell out like $200,000 horses in like 30 minutes. We just absolutely. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Fly through the shares. And that was when we had 5,000 accounts. The Derby now we've got like 15 or 16,000 accounts. So, um, our next horses will be more like 300, 350,000. And as we keep growing and trend toward these seven figure offerings, I think it opens up opens us up to a lot of the major sports and sports teams and all that kind of stuff. So ideally for now, you're looking to get in on the ground floor and you're, you're looking for the up and comers, but you're saying eventually you may do deals with the established players as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. We call them developmental players right mm -hmm. now. So we're playing the developmental stage. We think that's where there's a lot of story. I liken it to when you find out about a band before anybody else does, then they go big. They've always got that, you know, soft spot in your heart. Uh, I think the same thing with an athlete. If you back an athlete when they're coming out of college, then suddenly they're on the PGA tour. Like you will always be attached to that person. And I think even for the athlete, they will, they will appreciate the people that act them when they were nobodies. Um, and so that's where we're playing now. I think the market fits best there. The, the opportunity, especially in individual sports is most there. Um, although I will say, you know, Corn Ferry and, you know, kind of back half of PGA Tour and then ATP, I think some of the, the lower kind of, you know, 100 to 200 ranked tennis players that are on the big tour, uh, they could use some capital and some risk reduction. So we're seeing some inbound interest from there as well. Um, but the real trick in equity crowdfunding is you never want your offering sizes to be too big for your crowd, your, your audience. Uh, it's a mistake that a lot of equity crowdfunding companies make. And so you're always, you know, testing your offering sizes against your crowd size. So we're, we try to stay cognizant of that. So hopefully maybe this time next year, we're talking about having a hundred thousand accounts and we can raise, you know, who knows how much capital in a given offering. And that really opens up the world for us. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, you guys have a fundraising round coming up as I understand, uh, talk about that. And if someone's interested in, you know, being a part of Commonwealth and, and what you're growing here, how would they invest in that? 
Yeah, yeah. So this round we're we're raising really we haven't raised a ton of external capital. We're still a small team, um, but it's time for growth capital. Uh, and, and the platform is built. The market is there. We've established our name in the community, of course. And so we're going to go out on our first kind of seven figure round. Um, and so we're looking for kind of an institutional lead. We have a lot circling uh, in the venture capital community. It's where I come from to a large degree, the VC and startup world. And so, um, you know, we're actively going out on it and hoping to close it probably in July, maybe early August at the latest. And if there are any kind of VCs or institutional folks or family offices that are listening to your show, then they can reach out to, to me directly, Brian at Join Commonwealth. Um, we can get them in the fold. Uh, it'll be an interesting round for sure. We've got some, we've got some athletes interested. We've got some pretty well-known sports investors. Uh, the person that led our seed round is a very well-known seed investor out of New York. Who I won't share his name just for his sake, but um, it's a great story and we've got a great group. Um, and I, I will tell you, every investor that's gotten on our cap table so far, all they do is talk about how this is by far the most fun investment they've ever made because uh, it is truly a wild ride. That's amazing. Um, before I let you go, talk to our audience a little bit about the right pace to grow a company at. So many people who listen to this show are entrepreneurs and mm. they either grow too fast or they grow too slow. They can't find that right cadence. You're doing this at, at what seems like the right cadence. How do you find that right cadence? Yeah, it's a good question. And one that I think a lot of startup founders grapple with their first couple of times or, or possibly more. Uh, and I think of it as the business and the organization. Like those are actually two different things. Your business is your market position, your revenue, how you're growing, um, all of those type KPI metrics, things like that. Your organization is people, your balance sheet, um, how you spend money, um, processes, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, not that dissimilar from what I just described about equity crowdfunding and the size of the crowd and the size of your offerings, you're constantly playing with that. And so what a lot of first-time founders, uh, the, the mistake they make is they get their organization way out in front of their business. And you actually want to do it the opposite. There's an old phrase in startups called hire slow, fire fast, <laughs> which sounds a little bit ruthless, but uh, probably the biggest mistake that founders make is hiring too much. Um, and so the way I think of it is as your business grows, you want your organization to be lagging that. Now, you can't let it lag too far, but you want it to be lagging that. And it creates a lot of positive reinforcement, like it creates pressures to make the right decisions. You know, in the 20s, 2020, 2021, 2022, you had all these startups raising massive rounds and it looks real sexy on paper and when people put it out in the news. But it usually lends itself to some pretty sloppy decision making, starting with hiring too much. And then, of course, marketing and just being very inefficient with the way you're operating the company. And so letting the organization lag the business a bit, I think, creates a culture of like, you know, constraint and finding the right decision. Scrappiness. I mean, scrappiness is probably the biggest tool we have in startup culture. Uh, scrappiness and nimbleness, I would say. And so that's what I tell people that I, that when I'm talking to them that are trying to start their companies, it's just don't let the organization outpace the business. It feels good in the short term because you've got resources and things are, if not easier, you know, a bit more conducive to getting a lot of things done. 
But medium to long term, it's A, very costly because you've likely given up a lot of your company, but also B, bigger organizations tend to not actually move as fast. It's a little bit of a fall, uh, kind of a false narrative that the more people you have, the faster you can go. Um, so that's how I think about it. And then on the marketing front, the last thing I would mention is that we still have not spent the dime on paid marketing. You know, we're four years into the company, two years into being publicly live. Uh, we were stealth the first couple of years. Um, and marketing dollars are, are a real tricky thing. You know, you don't, if you don't know exactly where those dollars are going and what it's leading to, you're likely to be throwing away a lot of capital and early stage capital is very expensive in the form of equity most of the time. And, uh, and it creates what we call treadmill businesses. So you get people in and they're, they're, you know, they're using your product for a minute, but you don't really know where they're at or how to optimize for them. And then they fall off the backside. So you constantly have to get them back on. So you're paying double and triple the, you know, the, the CPAs that you should. And so, you know, we're about to bring on a product lead and one of the places he comes from Uber and Didi and all these places where he really optimized funnels, uh, is how we describe kind of, you know, getting people in and what they're doing and making sure that you get them to your end point. And so he's going to spend the next probably three to six months optimizing our product and our funnels. And only then will we start marketing, you know, like user acquisition and doing kind of paid growth. Uh, until then, it's all organic. And fortunately, we have a business that has a lot of work and growth because all these events and people come out, post about us. And then fortunately, we've had some wins that have spoken for themselves. But those are the two things I really talk about with startup founders. Like, don't let that organization go too fast and don't get obsessed with, you know, that, that early marketing is a place that a lot of companies throw money away. Um, and if you have a good product, you shouldn't need to do it, um, you know, to get big growth to kind of go to the next level, you need to do it. But those early years, you shouldn't have to do it. If you're having to spend a lot of money on marketing, you're probably masking some other problems. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I'll, I'll leave it at that. I could keep going. I'm a, you know, I've started and, and built a lot of companies. So it's a, it's a, a passion place for me to talk about. Well, it's been a very successful recipe thus far. Uh, Brian Doxtor, co-founder and CEO of Commonwealth. Find them online at joincommonwealth.com. Again, congratulations on Mage winning the Kentucky Derby and best of success in the future. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate being on today. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, -end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. 
Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, Colby Ackerman, and from our friends at CG Sports, CG Young and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.